How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another Baseball America Prospects podcast. I am Carlos Colazzo, along with Kyle Glazer. Kyle, how's it going, man? Doing all right. Ready to talk some more prospects with you. Yes, sir. Today we have the Mariners system on board. Ready to dive into that one, although I don't know how excited the Mariners fans are. But uh, before we get into that, thank you guys for tuning in to today's Baseball America podcast. Uh, Our podcast and Facebook Live broadcasts are sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you're a baseball fan, you need to check out Baseballism.com. Visit Baseballism.com and enter the code BASHIP to save 20% off. So, Kyle, uh, Mariner system. Not exactly overflowing with talent. Uh, It is the bottom (laughs) of our top 30 org rankings um we're going to talk about some players obviously uh but i know for this one you wanted to talk about just how the mariners got to this point how they're so low Uh, i guess we can compare it to some uh some barren systems of of previous years as well i know you're familiar with the Angels system that was in this spot a few years ago uh but really how how bad is this system is it a case of it's just not as good as everyone else or is it a really barren system i guess to kind of start things off. Sure. Well, I actually want to start by saying, look, the point of running a Major League Baseball team Mm -hmm. is to win the World Series. It's not to finish first in the org talent rankings. It's not to have, you know, the most, you know, highest rated average prospect grade. It's to get to the playoffs, win the World Series at the Major League level. Everything we do at Baseball America, you know, ranking prospects, all that is toward that goal. Exactly. I think the Cubs will be pretty happy with uh, falling in the org talent rankings considering their major league success. So in that sense, look, the Mariners have put together at the big league level the best lineup that this franchise has seen probably since 2007. Mm -hmm. That team that won 88 games had six to nine starters with uh, OPSs above average, you know, 20-plus home runs from four different guys. So the Mariners have had a problem generating offense for years and years and years. Some of it Safeco, Safeco uh, field, some of it just, you know, the nature of the teams they put on the field. So in that regard, Jerry Depoto and his staff deserve credit. They've put together, again, the Mariners have the longest playoff drought among any franchise in the four major American sports. Their priority is to end that. Mm-hmm. They're first and foremost, and as soon as possible. In that regard, they have done a really nice job putting together a complete lineup, and they've traded some prospects to do that. But again, Alexander Campos for Ryan Healy, make that trade every day. You know, Acquiring Ben Gamble costs two young, interesting young prospects. You make that trade every day. Acquiring Mitch Hanniger when he was a prospect last year, moving some other mm-hmm. pieces, you know, acquiring Gene Segura with him was a good trade. So I think you have to keep in mind, in that regard, the Mariners have built some things successfully. The fact that they're the bottom system in the organization talent rankings should not be seen as an entire indictment of the entire way this franchise does business. That's not what this is. At the same time, because their priority has been, we need to build at the big league level, we need to round out our lineup, we need to add more pitching that's closer to the big leagues, they have traded prospect after prospect after Mm -hmm. prospect after prospect and it really kind of compounds. You know, I went back and did the math, and I think the, the biggest hole we see is in pitching. Yeah. Last year, the calendar year 2017, the Mariners traded seven pitching prospects. That included Luis Gohara, who we knew was going to be, you know, was a top-ranked pitching prospect in their system mm-hmm. when they traded him. Nick Neidert, their second best. But also guys like Pablo Lopez, Robert Duggar, Brandon Miller, Ryan Yarbrough, guys who were scattered throughout the minors that had big league grades on them. Mm-hmm. 
Juan Then, who was traded for Nick Rumbelow, that was one of the moves that raised a lot of eyebrows because Juan Then's a 17-year-old in the Dominican Summer League. With his stuff, if he was in Florida and a high school senior, he might have been a first-round pick this year. And they traded him for a reliever who spent all of last year in AAA. So it's a situation where... You know, we mentioned 2017, seven pitching prospects. Go back to 2016. Yeah, it goes on and on. Keeping track of these trades is just ridiculous. Six more. You've got 13 quality pitching prospects trading the last two years for the purpose of trying to help your big mm-hmm. league club. Now, they've added some guys like Chase DeJong, Rob Whalen, Max Pelosi, Marco Gonzalez. But while those guys are closer to the majors, not, all those guys have always profiled. You know, Marco Gonzalez before is Tommy Jones profiled a little higher. Mm-hmm. All those guys have always profiled as number six, number seven, number eight starters, yeah. whereas the guys you've traded while they're further away, Luis Gohar was always a number two, number three starter. Exactly. Nick Neidert's <laughs> always been a four or five. You know, I was going to ask you, do you, what do you think about the return for some of these trades? Because obviously you just listed a number of them. Overall, would you say that there's been a some fair good return? and some bad? Yeah. There's, and like any general manager yep. in any trades, there's been some that have made sense and you say, okay, that I get that, I get what they're doing. There have been some others that have been eyebrow raising and a sense that. Because in part fueled by that, hey, we have to get to the playoffs right now. Yeah. You know, generally speak, every team that's ever had success at the major league level has at some point traded a group of talented prospects mm-hmm. for big leaguers. The Astros did it. The Cubs did it. Name your team. They've done it. Mm-hmm. But it, you, it matters the big leaguer you get back. And in some cases, the Mariners have gotten back. You know, I mentioned the Campos, Healy deal, Emilio Pagan. Great. Every day. Do that. Mm-hmm. Your six-year-away DSL shortstop. From middle of the order bat who's ready right now, absolutely. Mm. On the flip side, you know, whatever you might think of Tyler O'Neill, back to back thirty, you know, thirty home run seasons, some of the biggest raw power, something that they need in Safeco Field, another big power bat, young, controllable, athletic. Mm-hmm. Trading for a guy in Marco Gonzalez, who no one, and I mean no evaluator who I spoke to or anyone has spoken to, it seems outside of the Mariner system thinks he's more than a 7th or 8th starter right now. And his numbers at the big league level bear that out. So I think right now, with the Mariners, they've made a lot of trades. It's taken a lot out of their system. This needs to work for them. It's been 2001 was when they made the postseason last. (laughs) And while there have been a couple years where they've been close... This has not been a franchise that's consistently year in and year out been competitive mm-hmm. for long periods of time. If this doesn't work, and, and I understand, look, Jerry Depoto and Andy McKay are going to defend their guys and their system. That's their job. Mm-hmm. I expect nothing less for them to come out swinging when they, they heard their last in the farm system rankings. The hard truth of it is that's where they are, mm-hmm. and it really – we'll, we'll dive into it a little bit later, but – it was not that hard of a call for them to be last in the farm system yeah. rankings. Uh, you'll see we're not the only ones that have them there, and there's a reason for it. And if this doesn't work, if all these trades they've made don't bear fruit, if you know all this, you know we've seen Felix Hernandez, the number of starts he's made mm-hmm. has gone down, and then his ERA has gone up every year for three straight years now. James Paxton's incredibly talented. He's also never not missed a month of the season mm-hmm. in his entire career. Mike Leake was a really nice acquisition. Again, Raider Ascanio for Mike Leake. Make that trade every day. Take the salary. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Erasmo Ramirez is a swing man. Right now, that fifth starter group of Marco Gonzalez and maybe, you know, Chase DeJong comes up, Hisashi Iwakuma, if he can stay healthy. It's, it's not an encouraging group. So if the pitching falls apart, which it very well could, yeah. 
they no longer have the depth to make up for it. And that's where, you know, they used 17 different starters last year. The average American League team, the average American League team used 12. Mm -hmm. Essentially, if you want to compete, you got to have 10, 11, 12 starters in today's game. Yep. And the Mariners don't have that. So they really, really have to hope all their pitchers stay healthy, all of them to perform. And if it doesn't happen, I mean, we, the Mariners are looking. <laughs> well, as currently constructed, they're looking, or they're not looking at a, a two to three year rebuild out of this if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. If they win 83 games again, you know, maybe they can give it another shot in 2019. So it's not like all these guys' contracts expire this year, yeah. and some of them have some youth on their side. But if it doesn't work this next year or two, they're looking at a four, five, six-year rebuild. This is not something that they are they are in a position where, hey, if it doesn't work, we can trade a guy or two, have a guy in-house mm-hmm. to bring up, uh, particularly on the pitching side. That's where the concern is. So, you know, in terms of the Mariners being the worst farm system in baseball, they are. just <laughs> is what it is. Yeah. Um, there has been wisdom to some of the trades that have made them that way. There have been some others that were not the greatest deals in the world, and every general manager and every organization will have those, mm-hmm. some that made sense, some that don't. Um, I think that Andy McKay, their farm director, is top-notch. I think that Tom Allison, their pro scouting director, is top-notch. Tim Kistner, their international director, who's found a lot of these really good Latin American arms they've used for trades for big leaguers, has done a fantastic job. The people in charge, and look, I'm, I'll be blunt. There are some organizations where we talk to them, and I get off the phone, I'm like, I can't believe this guy has a job. That, that's the truth. I do not feel that way with the Mariners. Mm-hmm. These are smart people who are accomplished, who know what they're doing. Yeah. It's just they've gone so all in, in part because of how long it's been since they've made the postseason. It it needs to work or else as a franchise, they're in a bit of a rough spot. Now, if they make the playoffs this year or again in 2019, you can say, hey, it was worth it. They need to get that monkey off their back. If they don't, they're in a tough spot. They really, really are just because they no longer have. You know, if you looked at it a year, even a year ago, you said, okay, if so-and-so doesn't work, we have Kyle Lewis, we can bring up Luis Gohara, Tyler O'Neill's an everyday future outfielder. You have some pitching depth with, again, guys like Nick Neidert, Ryan Yarborough was ready for AAA. There were was, there was some guys there you could say, okay, something doesn't work, we can trade a veteran, plug a guy in. Mm-hmm. They no longer have that. If their group compiled at the major level does not work, there is close to zero fallback. Yeah. And that's a risky position to be in. For sure. All right, you kind of laid out the situation pretty extensively there, Kyle. Let's jump into some of the players. Um, the top four players in this Mariner system are the only players who have uh, above average uh, ceilings. Uh, if they reach their ceiling and that's ceiling, you got Kyle Lewis, number one, Evan White, number two, Sam Carlson, number three, and Julio Rodriguez, number four. And right off the bat, you have two guys who are taken in the, the 2017 draft in the top three of the system, including one who's a second rounder, which in most systems, that's probably not the case. But I guess let's just start with Kyle Lewis. Uh, pretty safe bet for the number one spot, I'd assume. Take me through what, what he's done over the past so, couple of years. So when we talk about the Mariners system, and, and look, just to get back to it, there is zero pitching, mm-hmm. which will happen after you trade seven pitching <laughs> prospects and uh, six pitching prospects the year before, and, and the guys you have in store that are still prospect eligible, the Chase DeYoungs, the Rob Williams, the Max Povsies, are considered at best number six, number seven, number eight mm-hmm. starters. Yeah, I'm a big Maybe Max Posey fan. <laughs> but, you know, so there's no pitching. 
There's no middle infield, second base, shortstop. I mean, it's it's barren. There's no catching after yeah. they trade David Manuelos. The one area where you say, okay, there's something there is in the outfield. Mm-hmm. Kyle Lewis is a tremendous prospect. Baseball America College Player of the Year. Tore his ACL, as we all know. Came back, it was a little quick. He came back 10 months after he tore. That's normally a year-long injury. Mm-hmm. Came back, first game back, banged into the wall. Had to go back and rehab it. Missed a few more weeks. Came back and actually performed really well in the Cal League while the numbers weren't explosive. Um, you talk to the the coaches and the evaluators who saw him at the end of the year. They said he absolutely looked the part mm-hmm. of that impact, everyday outfielder who can be the guy that you say, hey, this was our first-round pick. We're sticking mm-hmm. him in the middle of our lineup. Yep, Kyle Lewis at six home runs at two fifty five, three twenty three, four oh three with Modesto last year. And, and again, games. the numbers don't explode, yeah. but he got you know in the playoffs. Modesto won the Cal League title, and mm-hmm. he really took off in the postseason. And they saw him get bigger and stronger, and his timing really work. But then he got hurt again in the mm-hmm. Arizona Fall League, uh, patellar tendonitis, and so it's a situation where you know you just you want this guy to stay healthy. He works so hard. He's such a great dude. He's so talented, mm-hmm. but. We talk about college guys who were college players of the year and completed, you know, and have had a full season under them and performed well enough that the scouts liked him. He's higher risk than all of them because mm-hmm. the knee just keeps acting up. Yep. And, and I think, you know, again, that's where, again, the Mariners, in the context of, you know, the top overall farm system, the Mariners do not have the worst number one prospect, mm-hmm. not by a long shot. But the risk involved with just his knee definitely hurts their overall standing. Yeah, right now we have Kyle Lewis with above-average tool grades uh, everywhere except speed, and you'd think given a healthy knee, uh, that would be above-average as well. Is there any confidence that it's going to come back and he's going to be an above-average runner down the line, or is it he was, uh, all, he was already kind of, kind of, of a, he was already kind of like a bigger, stronger dude. Yeah. You know, kind of Adam Jones has always been the comp. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, Adam Jones covers a lot of ground, but he would never be confused for a burner. Yeah. So I think the situation with Kyle Lewis, especially post knee injury, there's not a lot of faith that that's going to come back. Probably will have to move into right field, but again, he has the bat to do it, mm-hmm. hit for power and average. Um, but again, you just have to hope he can continue getting out there and playing every day and. Long term for the Mariners, it would be beneficial for him to be able to stay in center because you yep. look and you see Mitch Hanniger on right, you see Ben Gamble on left. You know, we saw in center last year they were rotating in Gerard Dyson, Guillermo Heredia. This year they went out, they traded for D. Gordon, said go play center field. <laughs> uh, I think long term they're going to try and they would like to have him develop as a center fielder. What are the questions about him sticking at center? Is it just the mobility factor and the injury history there, or are there questions about his routes, his reads? Never routes, reads, or instincts. Um, the question was because he wasn't a burner. Yep. There was a lot of sense that, oh, you know, he's a bigger dude, he'll probably end up in right. But now that the knee injury has happened, you know, the Mariners and some other teams said, I hear you, but you watch him and he makes all the catches he should. It's not like, well, he might not be running, you know, winning a 60 yard, da- 60 yard dash race. Mm-hmm. He makes every catch at the wall. He makes all the catches and the gaps. The roots, the reeds, the instincts were there. Um, but if he lost a step or two, it might start becoming an issue. And with the knee injury, there's a sense he might have lost that step mm-hmm. or two, and especially where he can't really get out and run around on it for, well, we've seen a really extended period of time without something acting up. Mm-hmm. 
that's that's a problematic for his future in center field overall, particularly you're talking about Safeco Field and how exactly, massive yeah. that the ground is he'd have to cover. Well, hopefully he gets healthy and is able to kind of get in there regularly and show us what he can do with the bat because the talent is there, obviously. It's just a matter of staying on the field for him. But an interesting prospect at number one. Uh, moving into numbers two and three, these are the 2017 draft guys. Evan White uh, out of Kentucky and then Sam Carlson, a high school righty out of Minnesota. I would imagine Sam Carlson is one of the more important prospects in the system just because of the lack of pitching depth that you mentioned that said he's a high school righty imagine he has a ways to go uh we can touch on either of these guys if you want but was it a consensus two then three evan white then sam carlson here or could you flip these guys sure well first of all i need to give credit bill mitchell mm-hmm. is who put this list together put in the work yeah bill uh, is great you know bill's bill's you know as good as as good as it gets in terms of uh putting in the work and, and making sure all the contacts are in there. And, and, yeah, I mean, look, these are the number two and three guys. I mentioned before Mariners have zero catching, zero second baseman, zero shortstops, close to zero pitching. <laughs> they have outfielders. They do have some first basemen. You know, Evan White is a guy who uh, was it, – it's a he's a wizard over there at first base. And the Mariners have had some trouble filling first base. We talk about some of these trades they've mm-hmm. made. You know, they first they tried to trade for they trade for Adam Lind, and that cost them Freddie Peralta, Carlos Herrera, Daniel Misaki. You know, Adam Lind obviously has moved on. Then they had to then they went and traded for Danny Valencia. Well, that, that cost them Paul Blackburn, and hmm. Blackburn is you know now starting for the A's. The Mariners could use him at the back of the rotation. Um, they traded for Yandor Alonso end of last year. They'd also uh, traded Mike Montgomery and established big leader for Dan Vogelbach. Hmm. They've kept trading and trading and trading and trading to try and figure out this first base hold they've had. Um, you know, Ryan Healy, who was acquired this year, mm-hmm. another guy. They So hopefully, if all goes according to plan, Evan White will be the guy that just go play first base so we're not trading, mm-hmm. you know, we're not acquiring five different guys yeah. costing us prospects in the span of two or three years. That's the hope and the goal, and, and I think Evan White can get there. Exactly, and Evan White, there are no questions that he can handle first base. He's one of the rare, rare first base prospects uh, where his fielding grade is actually his highest grade. He's an outstanding defensive first baseman. Uh, he's gotten some comps to Cody Bellinger at the position. He's a plus runner and has a plus arm. I, I want to say that the Bellinger comp is is defensive excellence. Exactly. Not, not, not the not, bat. He's not, not a bat. He, he <laughs> can hit. He can hit, yep. but he's not going to come up and pop you know 40 bombs as a rookie. Set some rookie home run records, yeah. And I think the uh, the power, most people that I've heard from expect that to kind of come as he continues to to progress. It's not... It's not above average power now, but do you think he'll get there down the line? It's a weird, it's kind of a weird profile for Evan White. Yeah, I think you're you probably these... looking more of a of a 315 home yeah. run type of guy, but with Gold Glove defense at first. So it's he's valuable. you know he's he's not a guy that again is gonna be pumping balls over the wall mm-hmm. every day. Although again, you know we say that and. With the way uh, he showed a power increase last year in college, and with the way the ball's jumping off the exactly. bat at the big league level, anything's possible. So look, hit, uh, I, I think I think it's pretty clear. Lewis is your one, White's your two, mm-hmm. you know, and then Carlson being your three. Um, you know, again, you talk about high school right hander, second rounder wasn't a, you know wasn't a first rounder mm-hmm. who was you know the top of the class, cold weather state guy Minnesota. It's gonna take a while. Fastball changeup guy, too. It's not like he's got a, a great curveball that he's relying on there. So, again, it goes back to, you know, we talk about why is this system weak. I, I still think if you look at the top three in this system, Lewis, White, Carlson, I do take that top three over the Royals' top three. Mm-hmm. I take that top three over the Cubs' top three. There are three legitimate guys here. And, you know, Julio Rodriguez was a well-regarded international product as well. You know, Braden Bishop is is now that he's adjusted his bat is a big league caliber player. Mm-hmm. 
it's just the drop-off is so massive. You start getting into up-and-down guys, guys who maybe are low-leverage relievers. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys who you're... I mean, a guy ho- like Max Povizy, who's at number six, and he just put up a 7.36 ERA in the majors. Again, Don't and, know how high and, the ceiling the is there. the report has always been, he's a sixth or seventh starter exactly. slash low-leverage reliever. You know, so that's where you get into the drop-off. Beyond that top three, four, depending on how much faith you have in, in Julio mm-hmm. Rodriguez is so enormous. I mean, when you get into your number, you know, nine prospect, you know, Joe Rizzo, who in fairness did not hit well in Clinton, which is a hard place to hit and hit well away from it, no evaluator sees an everyday third baseman there. Not one. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's just you're talking about guys who, for the most part, while there's still big league grades on them and ceilings and we're giving them the benefit of the doubt as Baseball America, you know, hoping these guys succeed. No one enjoys seeing kids fail. When you talk to evaluators out there, you're talking to guys who are getting 20 grades thrown on them, 30 grades thrown on them, at most 40 grades, which are kind of that up-down, yep. you know, maybe maybe usable guy. And you're getting that at your number seven, eight prospects. Now, all systems have those guys ranked, but they're normally at number 20, mm-hmm. 21, 22. Exactly. And again, that goes for the low-level guys. That also goes for the high-level guys. You know, Sam Maul, the guy they you know picked up on waivers this year, had been DFA'd a few times. And I talked to some scouts and said, I think he has a chance to be a lefty specialist. But, you know, again, that's your number 20 prospect, mm-hmm. the guy who's been DFA'd a couple times. Once you get down into this list, are there any guys who jump out to you as maybe guys who can who can take a jump, who have some exciting talent, but maybe have some risk factors that keep them a little further off or have some flaws to their game? Joe Rizzo is a guy who has some talent offensively. He's got some things he needs to figure out. I know Bill Mitchell pegged him as the breakout prospect for 2018. And, and again, with, with Rizzo, you're counting on the fact that it was you know, first year, high mm-hmm. school guy, cold Midwest leagues. The reports yep. weren't good because it was an adjustment. But again, he hit well enough away from Clinton and, and he was upon, named the MVP of the California League Championship Series. Right, when he got, got good end. bumped up to exactly. a Modesto. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that's the hope is the bat. But very few people think he can stick at third, mm-hmm. you know, wondering if there's going to be enough power. So that's where evaluators are hesitant to th- consider him an everyday mm-hmm. guy. Look, you know, and, and I think there was a note, uh, so, you know, and as part of the defense of this system, Andy McCain made a comment, you know, we have guys that teams ask us about. And of course you do. You know, Wyatt Mills and Seth Elge, there are useful guys here, some relievers, some guys who you can help. But when you look at a farm system and how you want it to come up and, you know, give you insurance of guys who can step into a rotation, who can play every day, and if they are relievers, you know, obviously, yes, you have to have those six, seventh inning guys, but you'd also like to see some guys who, hey, I think this guy can be our, our end of game shutdown, you know, bring him up, set mm-hmm. up Edwin Diaz be a, you know, filling for him. And, and there's not a sense of that. So, yes, there are guys that there's going to be some interest in. But, again, no evaluator, whether that's local scouts, pro scout directors, GMs we spoke to. And it was pretty consistent that among all the systems that these guys are scouting, this is the most talent-barrant system. Mm-hmm. And it's not because of who's in the top three or five. It's because who's at number 10, number 12, number 15. Um and again, I think the Mariners. So you ask if there's anyone low in the system, yeah. lower ranked, and there <laughs> really tough. isn't. It's I very mean, tough. I mean, that's the problem with it. You know, you look at Ian Miller, who has always been a speed demon and is incredibly efficient with his speed. And you see the offensive numbers, and they've ticked up, and you go, okay. And yet, 
every evaluator says he's a fifth, sixth outfielder, mm-hmm. just not enough there for him to really hit and hold down a bench spot. He doesn't, you know, his play in the outfield isn't as great as you'd mm-hmm. like it to be. Yeah, Ian Miller hit 326, 382, 430 in double A, and then the numbers actually dipped when he went to the PCL 268, 297, 315. So, again, I mean, it's it's something where, you know, every organization, a lot of times you say, hey, there's a guy down here I like, and, you know, for the Mariners, because of the, the, the decisions they've made, which, again, are justifiable mm-hmm. given they've added some impact to the lineup. They've you know chosen to go with some guys who are closer to the big leagues. You, you get it, but it came at a cost. Mm-hmm. And you know I think sitting here and saying the Mariners made a mistake, it's probably too premature to do that. Because mm-hmm. again, you look at this lineup and yeah, that's a playoff lineup. That that can be obviously some of, depends on how guys you know perform if D Gordon can really play center field if Mike Zanino you know continues to mm-hmm. show some strides if Ben Gamble and Mitch Hanniger don't go through sophomore slumps um so there's definitely there's definitely potential there again the pitching's a little short mm-hmm. they have to hope that one of these guys who evaluators have long pegged as seventh and eighth starters the evaluators were wrong and that one of them takes a jump forward which is not impossible yep. in safe players field. can still change you know, again, whether it's Waylon or Povsi or Chase DeYoung or Mark Gonzalez, put them in Safeco Field. They make an adjustment. You know, something with their mechanics, they take up. It's happened. It can happen again. But uh, that's where the Mariners right now are. They're trying to make the playoffs, and if they make the playoffs, the fact that they're the 30th ranked organization in terms of the talent rankings is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Exactly. If they fall short. And it just doesn't work, and they can't get past this 82-83 win range they've been in, you know, for the most part. Last year they fell to 77. The year before they were in it uh, a little longer, but it was still not a, a case where they were ever, you know, in the driver's seat with room to spare. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. And again, I, I think this year and, and next year, because I, I do think these guys can still be competitive next year, but if it doesn't click in 2018-2019... It could be a long road back for Seattle. And then you start talking about, well, heck, now the playoff drought is approaching 20 years, 25 years. I mean, that's some that's some Royals-level you know, level stuff, which no franchise wants to be in. Yep. And, and I think the Mariners have such a much more decorated recent history of success. It's hard to envision them being in that place. Um, we'll see how it shakes out. I think this will be a fascinating year for them. I think there is talent there. I think that, again... It's not out of the realm of possibility to make a playoff playoffs. Their last place in the organization talent rankings, I cannot emphasize this enough, <laughs> is not an indictment of what they've done. It's just a reflection of, hey, you trade 13 legit pitching prospects in two years and a couple of you know decent potential bats as well. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a talent mm-hmm. drain. And that's just the reality of where they are. We'll see how it turns out. Yep. If you guys want full breakdowns on the top 30 prospects for the Mariners to, to get more information on these guys, maybe dream on them a little bit if you're a Mariners fan, definitely check out the Prospect Handbook. Bill Mitchell put together a uh, very extensive uh, reports on all these players, so uh, couldn't recommend that any higher. Uh, but we appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. Uh, thank you to all of our followers for tuning in today. Today's podcast and all of our Facebook Lives are sponsored by Baseballism. Visit Baseballism.com for the best apparel and baseball and enter the code BASHIP to save 20%. Kyle, thank you for breaking down the Mariner system. 
uh, and we'll see you guys next time. Adios.